If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Hey, really excited. We have a friend back on our podcast, Lori Reese. She's been here. Actually, Lori, I think you were one of our first podcasts and this is what, like number 80, right, Mary? Something like that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. So time to have some wisdom back on here. (laughs) I've been taking us down a scary road and Mary said, let's get someone on here that knows something. So I said, all right. I did specifically mention your name, Lori, right, Nicole? I deserve some credit for that. I deserve some credit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for coming back, Lori. It's really good to be with you. And actually, we usually don't record um, video, but obviously with the quarantine, we get to see your face. So hello. Hi. (laughs) It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Well, you know, obviously we were in the middle of this series of just COVID survival, specifically for survivors, you know, those of us who've gone through abuse or trauma and for me and my story, whether it was going through a pandemic or just simply walking out my healing journey, one of the biggest things that has always helped, at least the first step of something new that I was going to accomplish was just to realize like what I'm feeling is normal. Oh yeah. And even with this pandemic, there was a point in the very beginning when we were starting to lock everything down, um, when I started to feel really triggered and I was like, why? Like this has nothing to do with my trauma, my abuse, like, but it was so familiar, the feelings that I knew it was triggering my trauma somehow. And so I just really sat with that for a while. And I ended up posting something, um, on one of my social medias. And I got so much feedback from other survivors saying same, like, I didn't know what this was, but thank you for saying this. So I realized, wow, like, like just making it normal. And you've talked about that before, just the normalcy of, of the feelings can really help you to kind of, I think, sift through and begin to heal some of those pieces. Yes. And I think recognizing that this isn't what happened to me before. This is me being triggered by it. um, I think is a huge thing for people to remember. It has, it has a lot of the same kind of components when you think about it, you know, there, there is a real threat out there. Right. And, um, and there's a, there's a loss of control. Um, we, uh, we can't really go anywhere. We've been asked to stay home. Um, and for some people, home isn't a safe place. Right. It's triggering. Um, mm. For a lot of people right now, they're completely isolated. Mm-hmm. And when you, are, um, when you are in trauma, when you're in an abusive situation or relationship, you're isolated then as well. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that are, are very similar mm-hmm. to, um, to any kind of traumatic event. Yeah. So 
that's, I think, what gets triggered for people is yeah. this has a lot of the same common variables. And I feel some of that same, uh, I'm not in control kind of feeling. And so it kicks our body into that, that same response. And so what I, you know, keep telling people over and over again is, yep, yep, that is completely normal. That is, this is a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. You know, we're, we're coming up on a hundred thousand deaths and you're going to be triggered. I mean, people who don't have trauma, who don't have mental illness backgrounds are being triggered. And so of course, you know, those of us who have experienced any kind of trauma in our background, of course, we're going to be triggered. Mm -hmm. uh, the big, the two big things that I try to remind people, um, these are my rules for surviving a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> um, the first rule is to not freak out about freaking out. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, yeah, my, my boss used to say, my, uh, my first boss, um, when I worked at the counseling center at the Vineyard, um, he had the saying that uh, was, um, the best sign of positive mental health is being able to freak out without freaking out about freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so... When we get triggered, then we're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? You know, then we really get ourselves into a tizzy. And so being able to say, okay, I'm freaking out, but pandemic, that warrants a little bit of a freak out. Yeah. Knowing where it's coming from kind of helps. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, honestly, as, as Christians is remembering that God is still in control, mm -hmm. you know, and that this doesn't come as a surprise to him that he's still on the throne. Um, that, you know, we just celebrated Easter just over a week ago that he still conquers death. You know, and so I think that's a big thing um, in this time that we've got to really cling to is that there's already been victory over death. And so there's really, really, truly nothing about this that can irreparably harm us mm -hmm. because, because life wins. In the That's end. so good. Yeah. And for those listening, Lori is on staff actually at my church. And so Lori, as you're saying that, it reminds me of something that's always stuck with me from our pastor, Rich Nathan. He says yeah. that, you know, no matter what else is going on in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, struggling with, what you're deconstructing in your faith, like if you can hold on to two truths that God is in control and that God is good. He's looking yes. out for the good for you and for your life. Like all the rest of it can kind of fluctuate, at least for me. But if I can hold on to those two truths, I feel so much foundation in my life. I feel like yes. the sand is not going to go out from under my feet when I'm wrestling with all these other little things, right? Yep. So even when we're going through a pandemic, I had kind of revisited that thought, you know, yes. that God, he's in control. He knows what's going on mm -hmm. and he's not afraid. And yes. he's good. He's looking out for the good, good of us. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. I think we forget that second one. Mm -hmm. We find it harder sometimes to cling to that second one. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, especially people maybe who grew up in the church, there's, a, there's an easiness, not an easiness, but it's easier to 
to remember, okay, God's in control. And, um, but I think it's harder for us to, when we see bad things happen, to cling to the promise that he's still good. Yeah. Um, even right. in the midst of these bad things happening, that he's still good. Mm-hmm. Plan, and it's not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And Yeah. I think when I was going through my healing from abuse, that there was a turning point for me where I think for many of us, if we've been abused, we're not sure about that because we think somehow he was involved in our abuse or saw it and looked the other way. Um, So the turning point for me came when I was able to separate, you know, God's role in my abuse and my stepfather, my abuser's role, you know, that was his choice and um, not God's doing, right? So I can still see God as good and compassionate over what I had gone through and hurting over what I had gone through and never wanting it. And um, in that sense, I think that even is helping me now, kind of dealing with all that I'm facing in this world right now and feeling trapped is one of my biggest triggers. And um, so, yeah. So I think even just some of the things that I've dealt with in my own healing is kind of coming in as a factor now in going through this, um, yeah, this pandemic that we're dealing with. So yes, definitely. Definitely. But knowing that it's normal, knowing that what we're feeling yes. is normal, knowing that yeah. there's probably some sort of a connection to the craziness that you're feeling inside to maybe yeah. what you felt prior to this in like your first steps of your healing road. Exactly. Yeah. And they're finding that, um, you know, going into going into this pandemic, you know, they were already looking at, okay, who are the people we need to keep an eye on? What are the risk factors for people having, um, you know, some kind of emotional crisis or health crisis? They're actually um, they're talking about how uh, mental health is going to be the second pandemic, um, that it's going to follow right behind. Um, yeah. Gosh, that's such a concern. I mean, for a while there, my heart, and even today, like in this moment, I feel so heavy for those that you had already kind of mentioned, just stuck at home with an abuser. Mm -hmm. I mean, the children who in the world have their safe places getting to go to school every day. Like I can't even go there right now. I will break in half. But I, and I do want to talk about that soon and probably our next podcast, um, just helping those who might be stuck at home. But as you're kind of unpacking that, just, um, yeah, the second pandemic of those who are struggling with suicidal thoughts right now. They feel like they can't get out of this. Like, what are those risk factors and maybe what's your guidance there? So, um, you know, obviously having trauma in one's background, they're finding that people who already had like maybe a diagnosis of anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD, things like that are at higher risk. People who have poor social connections, who are isolated right now. Right now, they're seeing a lot of people get triggered um, over previous medical trauma. Mm. And so that's a real big thing right now. Big thing we're seeing is people running out of their medication Mm. and um, not, not filling it or waiting too long to fill it. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of antidepressants that like have really bad um, effects if you have to stop them early. They're finding that people who have uh, struggled with substance abuse in the past, they're more at risk. And so there's just, 
a lot of background factors that can really play into it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the biggest are the, the, the personal history, the coping skills that a person has, the faith that a person has, mm-hmm. their level of connection with other people. Um, they're seeing that, um, I've been doing quite a bit of reading on it, like the, uh, the calls to, the, I believe it's the National Crisis Lifeline, um, the calls are up 300%. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all over the country, all of the, the crisis lines, the calls are just creeping up. Um, fortunately, we're not seeing a lot of reported suicides as of yet. There was a, there was a period um, toward the very beginning in Tennessee um, where there were 10 suicides within like a week. The thing is that is that states and and you know the faith communities are really responding to it in new york for instance um governor cuomo created a uh, a national uh, mental health line Mm. people can call and receive um telehealth counseling for free wow and and over six thousand mental health professionals are volunteering their time wow that's incredible yeah, it's awesome. They're providing free counseling to people. Um, and uh, Ohio is working toward that. Um, I've actually gotten, I've gotten contacted. And so they're, they're a little bit behind the curve with it. But Ohio is working on something similar. So there are um, people who are recognizing that this is an issue and that we need to provide resources for people. The big problem is that a lot of folks who need it the most don't have access to a computer or internet or a smartphone, that kind of thing. So kind of just watching out for those signs and reaching out to what you know is available to you. And sometimes that might just be a good friend, and, but also yes. knowing when to call your doctor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Knowing some of the red flags, you know, when suddenly you are either, you know, sleeping too much or you're unable to sleep, you know, you're feeling down, you're feeling helpless or hopeless most of the time, crying more than usual, um, feeling revved up more than usual, having trouble concentrating, all these kinds of things, substance use uh, increasing again, of course, you know, thoughts of death or suicide, these are all things that need to be indicators to us that I need to be something. And I would encourage people also, you know, don't just, don't just be watching out for yourself. Be watching out for the people in your life that you know are at risk. Yeah. You know? Check in. Like I Check have, in with your yeah. healthy friends because it might not yeah. be healthy. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, especially folks that are living alone right now. Absolutely. Well, it's crazy yeah. because nobody is immune and – Um, I've struggled with an anxiety disorder for like 15 years and, and and right now I don't even think mine, what I was having yesterday and I was even texting Nicole about it. It's not from the pandemic. It's just my normal, you know, it just happens sometimes like the cloud shows up and and my biggest thing is feeling unsettled and uneasy and I have a counselor, but I also need to have like a safe person in between those appointments. Um, yes. you know, and that's where Nicole comes into play a lot. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so important to have someone kind of, you know, pulling us out of that and even to be a safe person to say, yeah, I'm a little off today. I don't know what's going on, but blah, there it is. It's yeah. out of me. 
because yeah. at least right. voicing that just helps unleash some of the energy and some of the vibe. Um, yes. So, and I knew I would be okay today. It always kind of plays plays the game this way, but when you're in it, it's so hard. It's so hard to shake the the cloud and what you're feeling. And, and you do, sometimes yes. you feel hopeless and helpless because you can't get out of your own head. <laughs> like, yes. you're stuck. so, yeah. um, so it just reminds me too, that no one's immune to this, no matter how strong your faith is. Yeah. You have the best counselor in the world or medication. It's like, you've got to have these little safeguards intact um, to be able to reach out, to have other people kind of push you along to get to the next day. Right. Yeah. We're not immune yeah. to the virus and we're not immune to not being able to handle right. what it's doing right. to us. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Well, and that community kind of, is so important. Yeah. And also I've heard you talk before, Lori, about ways you can even journal. So maybe you have your therapist like Mary, maybe you have like your inner circle of inspiration, you know, that you can reach out to that gets you in between appointments, but then also like your own quiet time. And I think journaling sometimes is hard for me to get started, but then once I'm in it, it's so freeing because it, it kind of in some ways can get that blood off of you. Like Mary had just talked about in just another way. Right. Yes. Journaling is great because it, it's, it's a great dump, number one, yeah. and it also can help bring clarity to our thoughts. Um, two techniques that, that I use personally and that I also teach people. One is just simply to, to just do a dump and just write out everything you're feeling, um, and then you draw a line at the bottom of it, um, and then you take a moment and you, and you pray and you say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me about all of this? Um, and you just wait in silence for a few moments. And then if you feel like the Lord says something, you write that down and you date it and you go on about your day. And that can be a really helpful, um, there's a reassurance there when we hear from the Lord, we don't always hear from the Lord, but when we do, there's a reassurance Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, Often he speaks a word of wisdom or encouragement that's helpful. Um, Then the other technique that I use um, there's different names for it. Some people call it a spiritual GPS. Some people call it like a lo- spiritual location exercise. Um, but you're basically kind of checking in with all of the, the various touch points within yourself. So you're, the first thing you're doing is just writing down everything that's happening right now. Um, and then you write down, okay, what kind of emotions am I experiencing right now? then you kind of drill down beyond that to, okay, what, how is that manifesting in my body? Mm. Which a lot of pay attention to, how's that manifesting in my body? Um, and then you kind of identify, okay, what's the one thing that's demanding my attention right now? Um, and then asking the Lord, okay, what's the invitation in this? Um, what are you inviting me to in light of all of these things? And so it brings a self-awareness and again, also brings a, a sense of reassurance and direction uh, when you're through with it. So I find those to be really helpful for me. Yeah, that's really and nice. I also Yeah, and I, I also, um, I, I've struggled most of my life with clinical depression and anxiety. And so um, those, those two have been really key for me to help me get out of my head and help me really, uh, really connect uh, with the Lord and really connect with, okay, how, how I'm 
and emotionally is manifesting in my body. Mm-hmm. The two are connected. That's, I think, an important thing for us to take away from that too. Yeah, that's good. And then having that alongside some sort of a human connection, whether it's via Zoom, via phone, text, whatever, and then maybe disconnecting from social media, the news, if it gets to be overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And they're finding, I was just reading last night, um, they're finding that um, like the, the stuff you mentioned, um, you know, being able to see somebody on video and actually hear someone's voice mm-hmm. is actually more helpful for our emotional health than like a text or something like that. Sure. That voice and that, that face-to-face component is really, um, really helpful mm-hmm. at this time. They're also finding, which is interesting, that um, some agencies are doing letter writing campaigns. Hmm. And um, they're writing letters to people hmm. and they're finding that that is really being helpful for people too, which I think is fascinating. For the writer or the receiver? Probably both. For the receiver. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think especially for our elderly population stuck in nursing homes, like that has met. Yeah. I use that as something, I mean, I'm coming up with whatever for homeschool at this point, like, all right, time to write grandma another letter. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, all right, these kids are like, I've already told her everything I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the receiving of it, I know means so much to them. Um, their one great grandmother ended up mailing them back a dollar each to thank them for writing to her because it means so much. <laughs> she's so, like, so now, so now she's their number one go-to for writing because they're hoping to keep making money off of this. Oh so gosh. it's their new little job. <laughs> That's hilarious. Keep, keep grandma alive down there. But now one thing that I think, you know, when we're talking about people who have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. thing that I think is really helpful to know um, and to practice is, you know, when, when we get triggered, our fight or flight response kicks in, in our body, right? And, um, and until that is either, until those hormones have either worn off, which takes between like 12 to 30 hours. So either they've either got they're off or they've got to be, um, activated against by the parasympathetic nervous system and until that happens we still have all of that coursing through our bodies and so we've got to learn how to how to deactivate that fight-or-flight response in the moment how to activate the the parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest and restore system so that um, we get out of that heightened state and one of the best ways to do that is to do um, deep breathing exercises. Um, and so one of the ones that they teach people um, is a, they call it a four, seven, eight prayer. And you, you inhale through your nose for four counts, and then you hold your breath for seven, and then you exhale through your mouth for eight. And three to five rotations of that And that um, activates your parasympathetic nervous system Hmm. Um, with just three to five deep breaths like that uh, can send those hormones into activation. And so you can also do that with a breath prayer where you're taking um, either a prayer or a scripture 
and um, like I'll use sometimes I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and so I'll inhale I can do all things and I'll exhale through Christ who strengthens me and so those kinds of exercises can um, you know the breath prayer especially brings the power of the Holy Spirit and yeah. um, and that deep breathing combined with that helps to deactivate the fight or flight, which is what we feel when we're triggered and help activate the, the rest and restore, which, which brings that down, which is really helpful. It's interesting, Lori, cause I run on the heightened all the time. I'm kind of just like, mm-hmm. and it's so funny, even like, you know, after I leave the radio station and you know, meetings to get my son and everyone's always like, Oh, you probably go home and take a nap. And I'm like, very rarely because I'm so revved up. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, <laughs> I wish I could just snap my fingers and go calm, you know, yes. that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So what you just shared there, I wrote all of that down. Um, and just even to share that with others to help our system. Yes. Know that when it's okay. And, uh, it can be frustrating being anxiety or depression or mental illness sufferer that our systems don't just relax when they should. But I think it's taking that extra effort to um, really take care of ourselves. Yeah. And we've got to train our bodies to do it. It will, even if we're just doing it once, it will still activate the parasympathetic nervous system, but we've got to do it over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to get to where our body stays in that place more often. Yes. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's, it is something that, um, that it does, it does work. Um, and our, and God made our body that way, mm-hmm. which is what is fascinating to me that God made our bodies number one, to be able to respond to danger. And then also to be able to bring calm and peace, um, just through the breath, which is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talk a little bit about just the posture that we can receive from the Bible in even just dealing with some of these things that we're talking about. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Yeah. I really turn to the Psalms a lot in times like this. They really model for us that posture mm-hmm. because they they lament and they call yeah. the Lord and mm-hmm. they ask all the hard questions and they practice remembering what God has done for them and stand in that and they profess that. And I think that's really powerful. There's a, uh, when I did this teaching a little bit earlier, there's a Psalm 116. I think it holds some healthy habits that we can practice in order to remain kind of spiritually and emotionally healthy. So I'm going to read it real quick. So it says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome with distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. 
I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for his goodness to me? In the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Trust, truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And so if you kind of break that down, there's basically eight little habits in here that that help us stay in a place of spiritual health. And so in verse one, we see um, that we need to believe in him. We need to believe that he's there, that he hears our cries, that he responds to us, that he listens. In verse number two, we see that we need to cry out to him. Um, and this is a common theme in the Psalms. We don't have to keep all of this to ourselves and cry out to him and he listens and he responds. Um, in verse nine, uh, he teaches that we need to follow him. Um, another common theme of the Psalms, because we see uh, all of the things about the shepherd and the sheep and that kind of thing. And so staying close to him and following in his ways and his will. Uh, we need to drink him in, verse 13. It talks about the cup of, of salvation. Um, which, of course, makes us think of communion, right? Um, and it also makes me think of the woman at the well who has that thirst that can never be quenched. And so when we drink him, um, we, are, we are filled with him, we're refreshed by him, and we're saved by him. In verse 14, we see that um, we need to obey him. Uh, when he says, I will uh, remain true to my vows to you. I will do what you've commanded me to do. I will follow that. Uh, verse 16, when we serve him and we tell him that, you know, that that's our offering to him. Verse 17, when we thank him, when we live in gratitude. And of course, you know, there's been tons of studies that have proven scientifically that the gratitude actually is good for our bodies and for our mental and emotional health. And wouldn't you know, that's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, the eighth habit is to live for him, uh, that I will now live for his glory. And so turning to the Psalms like that can really um, remind us as we're reading those words, putting ourselves in the, in the position of the psalmist, it really puts us in a posture of, kind of being rightly placed before the Lord, both in a place of, of crying out and in a place of receiving mm -hmm. and in a place of um, just acknowledging all that he has done and all that he will do. That's really good. I think it's good for us to even just take the time to think through things, even just slowly, like verse by verse, you know, mm -hmm. just like slower thinking down and you know, it feels like the world is all slowing down around me so much, but sometimes inside it's almost like revving up. Yes. <laughs> like, so to be able to like have that biblical posture and slow myself down to like read something so broken down and applying yes. it practically, I think it's just a really good practice in general. Yeah. There's a great little exercise that, um, that I'll do with groups and even do on my own where you take a passage of scripture and you read it once and just soak it in. Then the second time you read it through and you ask the Lord to highlight just one word or one sentence, and then you like underline that or circle that. Mm -hmm. um, 
bring it back through another time and um, you ask the Lord what he wants to say to you through that. And then the fourth time you read it through, you ask the Lord, what's the invitation for me today? Mm-hmm. So just a way to, like you said, just kind of slow down and soak it in. Um, and again, the just the process of doing that helps get us out of a trigger. Yeah. And it also, it gets us, um, it's like where it says God, um, you know, lifts us up out of the miry pit and puts our feet on a rock, mm-hmm. does that for us. I did, a, I did a sermon for East once, and the phrase that I kept repeating over and over again is, when you're in a pit, you need a ladder, not a shovel. Mm. And so, um, you know, spending some some deep meditative time in God's word is definitely a ladder. Yeah. What are the things in our lives that would be a ladder rather than a shovel in that situation? Like the things you're unpacking today, like the Lectio Divina, the reading of the scripture, the slowing down, the breathing, the journaling, you know, and then reaching out for help from people who are safe are all ladders for me. That's for sure. So yes. Wow. This was really, really rich and good. Thank you, Lori. These are amazing tips and make me feel better about my life. (laughs) I'm trying to jot everything down as quickly as possible. (laughs) I'll send you the notes. Thank you. I know. I'm like, should we be paying you for this counseling session? Like, what? We need a coffee once the pandemic's over, you know. Hey, we can go to coffee. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. I really pray peace over your listeners and just pray that they can really live in the, the reminder that, again, that Easter, Easter is a daily reality. I've just been reading a book uh, in one of the lines he says in it, it's a guy who uh, his three-year-old son died in his sleep. He writes that the gospel isn't just a, um, isn't just a powerful story. It's what gets us out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. That just really struck me. And so just, I just pray for your listeners that they're able to live in the power of the gospel and to, to remember that life wins. God wins. Life wins. Yeah. Over death, life over trauma, life over anxiety and depression. I pray that for you. Mm. Yep. I second that prayer. And I know that they're going to be really inspired by your words and helped. And yeah, I do. I do just pray for all of you who are listening that you would be able to just breathe in life today, that whatever has you feeling down and questioning even your existence maybe in this time that you would just hear our words and that something that would stick and maybe even as you open a bible maybe some of you for the first time in your entire lives that you would find peace that you would find hope that you would find meaning to your life despite feeling isolated right now that there is more for you and so yeah, we just thank you so much for joining us today, Lori. We thank yeah, thanks for having me. Everyone for listening, and we'll continue to be here for all of you as we just navigate this weird life that we just got thrown into without our consent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no! <laughs> you just had to end with that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Nicole. <laughs> we'll keep them coming back. <laughs> thank you for awesome. taking the time. Oh, absolutely! Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.